This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Happy Thursday, everybody. Hope your week's kind of winding down in a beautiful way. Mine is. It's been a busy week, a full week, but it's been nice. And I've been centering pleasure every day. I say, what am I going to do today that's just rooted in pleasure and joy? Small momentary things and also self-care. How today can I filled, uh, fold self-care into my day? And um, it helps. You can plan it the night before, plan it the morning of, check in during the day, but I'm always asking myself about those things. Uh, question of the night, it's up on our Loveline IG page, so weigh in on that. But uh, let's open the show by talking about some news, COVID. Oh, Dr. Fauci, he said, this was a couple of days ago, but I, it kind of went under the radar. Dr. Fauci says Americans should consider wearing goggles for complete protection. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I don't know what to do anymore. You know what I mean? Like seriously, I now when we look back, okay, way back at people that were covering themselves. I remember when COVID first started striking and the advice was we don't need masks, we don't need gloves, just wash your hands. And I saw people wearing masks and I thought it was ridiculous. I thought they were being hypersensitive and then they became the norm. Then I started seeing some people wearing gloves then that became more of a norm and expected. Then I started seeing people wearing facial things and I was like, nah, and now here we go. Because again, we have to worry about the nose, the mouth, but we also have mucosa, mucosa in our eyes. It, it, eyes can be an entry point. I mean, ugh, there's so much to think about. Now, the CDC, Fauci, they're not, as they say, universally recommending it at this point. I mean, here are all the qualifying words. We are not universally recommending it at this point. So they're saying that means we could, but we aren't right now. And we're not saying it has to be for everyone, but it might be good for some people. Oh my God. But they say there are some things goggles or shield can protect you from that a mask can't. And they said, again, theoretically, you should protect all the mucosal surfaces. That's nose, your mouth, and of course your eyes. So they say if you have Googles, I'm sorry, goggles or an eye shield, you should use it. Man, that's where we're at. Complete coverage. Now, again, for some people I'm working with that are asocial, you know, not because again, not everyone's social. Some people want social, some people want less social, some people that are more, you know, internalized, less social. They're saying this is great. For some clients I'm working with, they're saying it really is a buffer and protection from having to feel engaged by others in the world. Because even though we might not be talking to them or looking at them directly, being around others, glances can make some people feel engaged and related to. And for some of my clients, it's not necessarily that comfortable due to trauma, due to lower levels of socialization. Etc. Etc. And so they're saying, you know, the goggles and the masks and the gloves and all these different protective measures are feeling really good to them. 
Um, and I get it. There's some days where I really don't want to be seen or, or, or see by, or see anyone. It's like the psychological absence I want to have, but I have to go out in the world and do something. And so I'll throw on my baseball cap, my glasses. I put in uh, my earphones. I don't want anyone to hear me. I don't want to hear them. I don't want to necessarily be recognized, even just within someone as a human seeing me. And so I appreciate some of that. I, I'm getting very comfortable with some of that. So I, I get it. This is amazing. This came out, again, all the different ways that we can define ourselves, even protect ourselves from social norms. This is one of them. Uh, yet another celebrity came out with the statement that they are self-partnered, basically meaning get off my back and stop asking me why I'm not in a relationship because I don't have to be in one. That's not everyone's goals. And some people are happy single or seek to be single. Emma Watson had said this, and this is now coming back in the news because Charlize Theron, who is a friend of Loveline because I decided she was, because <laughs> I'm a huge fan. I think she's one of the most beautiful women and I think she's a phenomenal phenomenal actress uh, shout out to her new show her new movie Old Guard but basically she said look I'm not single I'm self-partnered which is basically saying I am single but I'm tired of people asking me if I'm dating or when I'm going to get in a relationship or get married and so now I'm going to say I stop asking I'm not single and when they say who am I with I'm with myself and I'll leave it alone so you know again I, I'm here for this. Basically, it's the exhaustion because we say that to people. We think everyone's job should be working towards relationship. And if you've left one, when are you getting back to it? If you don't have one, when you... No, some people are working away from. They're like, I've dated, I've married, whatever it is. I don't want to do it anymore or I want to break. Uh, you know, some people, it's about moving towards singledom, but it's it's an odd inverse to what we expect. So we think everyone's moving in the other direction, but that's not the case for everyone. Uh, Charlize also says she's tired of her young daughters telling every telling her she needs a boyfriend, right? Um, so, you know, again, this is, this is coming from her five-year-old, but, um, it's something everyone's pushing back on. Some people are, are just burned out on this kind of stuff. I get it. And then, uh, finally, let's close out the segment on this. Cause this is interesting news, I should say. So Ellen, the saga continues. It came out widely over and over and over that she's a horrible person, not very kind, mean. Then it progressed to say that her producers had created a work environment on her show that was problematic, aggressive, toxic, even racist. And that Ellen should know better and be better aware of what's happening on her own show. She then came out a couple of days ago and put a video out apologizing, saying I should have known what's going on on my show. I entered it saying I wanted it to be a happy show where people aren't raising their their voices or threatening anyone. I'm now understanding that those I put in these positions of power that would you know follow that have not been, and it's being dealt with. And me and Warner Brothers are investigating it. So there, that's a commentary on the work environment, which leaves out her problematic behavior, but I'm hoping indirectly that she will now be better because of this. So here's an example where, you know, again, I don't like people gossiping. I don't think we have a right to know what's going on in celebrities' lives. Um, I think it can ruin lives. But this is an example where some call-out culture does create needed shift and is a way to address people in positions of power, having that power removed because they're toxic. And so one of her producers is leaving and the show's gonna be, but that's good, that's some people's livelihoods, that show. And they want to continue, but they want to feel good about the work they're doing. They don't want to feel abused. No one should be abused at work. That's unacceptable. That's a misuse of power. And so I'm glad that's getting fixed. And I hope we all are inspired by that. We're going to do better. All right. We'll be right back with Ava Max to talk more about music, mental health, and COVID. Right now, children and their families all over Southern California are going to bed hungry. Channel Q and Radio.com have an easy way that you can help feed local students and their families. Text the word NEED to 76278 to give a buck and also put food in the mouth of a hungry child and their loved ones. Just $1, it's going to make a big difference. Learn more about Feed Our Families on our socials and at wearechannelq.com. 
All right, and now let's go to our first guest, Ava Max. How are you? Welcome to the show. I'm good. How are you? Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm doing well. Look, so about five people, when I, I was telling everyone that you were coming on tonight, and everyone was like, tell her I said hi, tell her I said hi. And I was like, okay, she doesn't know you guys, but I will give the official hello. So, so hello. many people in my life say hello. <laughs> Thank you. Well, hello, everyone. <laughs> so let's start off by just talking about mental health. That's one of the purposes of the show is to try to destigmatize hearing about, sharing about, and talking about mental health. So let me ask, how is your mental health doing right now? Um, It's hard. You know, I, I go up and down. Like, my days are like that. Like, realistically, I have one good day and then another day of just, like, feeling anxious and stressed out and overwhelmed, you know? Yeah, it's you got to just kind of go with the journey right now. That's what I'm telling everyone. You know what I mean? Just like put on your seatbelt and ride it out. Honestly, you have to put on the seatbelt. Because <laughs> I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. So what would you say are the most prioritized forms of self-care or coping that you're using? Because when I check in on that, some people have had some really interesting answers, things they hadn't thought of before. Are you finding new ways or is it old ways? What are you doing? Oh, um, there's a lot of different things I do. I like to cook to calm my mind. I don't know, maybe because I love food. I'm sure, I don't know if you're a foodie, but every time I cook, I'm like, I just feel calm. So cooking and walking around my neighborhood and the first month of quarantine, all I did was cook and then I couldn't fit in my jeans, but so I had to slow down. <laughs> and, and, and how is that impacting music? Like what, what would you say are the impacts of the COVID on your mental health and on music? Are you, are you writing and producing differently? Uh, how's it showing up? Again, it depends on the day. Like some days I'm super inspired and some days I just, I, I can only lay on my bedroom floor. Like what am I doing with my life right now? <laughs> So I, I try so hard to connect with my fans because I know, you know, I have this platform and I feel so grateful to have this platform and it, it makes me excited to connect with them and hopefully, you know, check up on them and see how they're doing around the world. I love that. I love that. And that's why I'm thankful for social media. I think if we had gone through COVID prior to having all this technology, we wouldn't be able to be thriving as much as we are. Are you using social media for your own mental health? Oh my God. Yeah. I'm, I'm on social media the moment I wake up as horrible as that sounds. And, and when I go to sleep and honestly, it's kind of met, like, I don't know, it helps me calm my mind just scrolling. Isn't that weird? Um, but then some days I can't be on social media at all. Again, it's a roller coaster. It's a freaking roller coaster. Well, you're, you're, I, I was reading one of your interviews. You're, you're very polarized. I like the 50 50. You were, it was kind of like you were pulling together the masculine, the feminine, also your haircut. And you were like, I'm a little bit of both. I'm a little bit of a blend of a lot of things. I am. And, you know, it's funny, even online, uh, there's, there's people who are just show so much love um, for my music. And then there are the haters. And, you know, sometimes they get to you, but then sometimes I'm like, you know what, they can just go away because they probably are dealing with stuff in their life and they just want to hate. So it's like the haters online are just like the worst things to read and what they say because they're just like so evil. So it's like you just got to kind of like brush that to the side. What advice would you give to people that aren't coping so well with social media and the commentary? Because it breaks my heart. I, you know, working with patients in my practice right now via telemedicine, like not, not everyone has that like confidence or strength to kind of deal with that, but people will just say anything on social media these days. Oh yeah. It's, it's horrible. I mean, again, it gets to me some days, but what can you do? You know, like you can't really do much. So when you know, you can't do much because you don't one, you don't know these people Two they are just bored right now in their rooms and they're just hating online. So just don't look at the comments, focus on yourself, know that no matter what you do, you're going to get hate. So that makes it easier. 
One of the things I seem to see over and over in some of your interviews is you were talking a lot about standing out, not wanting to be a conformist. And I think you've done a really beautiful job, but you went as far as to say that for you, the definition of success itself means to stand out. I love that because I think a lot of people in our world don't feel comfortable being their authentic selves. And there's so many things that are saying you have to be different to be acceptable. Talk more about that journey to authenticity. Yeah, so it's funny when I cut my hair like this, a lot of people once again gave me hate on the internet, looked at me weird at the grocery store, literally looked at me weird everywhere, like, why are you doing that? But it's like, it's no one's business. You do you. Um, wear what you want to wear. Look how you want to look. If you want to, like, put lines all over your face and, like, I don't know, draw on your face, do it. Like, that. that's how you want to express yourself. I think it's important to express yourself the way you want to. For me personally, I, I I like my hair like this and I don't care who else likes it. It's something I like, you know, and they don't have to like it, you know. So it's it's more of a it's more of a message to like do your own thing and don't care what anyone else thinks. Like it doesn't matter at the end of the day, you know? Yeah, I love that. That's beautiful. Um <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about this buzzword. And I saw it in one of your songs. So there's a lot of people talking about gaslighting, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that sigh tells me you've had your own experiences with it. Yeah. I feel like every woman has for sure. Yeah. And you, you were kind of equating it to having gotten cheated on, which seemed to be part of the song Torn. So am I to believe that that was all born out of a horrible experience you had with someone relationally? Oh my goodness. Yeah. So I feel like a lot of girls have been through this. Not, I don't know if every girl's been through this, but I have been in a situation in the past where, you know, the guy has cheated and then he makes you feel bad about it. Like he literally goes like, well, you know, if you had been here and not been so busy and then he starts like being all lovey-dovey and I just like, I pretty much just like smacked him and said, I'm never talking to you again because I felt like I was being gaslighted. But again, people stay in relationships like this, right? because they love the person and they think they, they get brainwashed and gaslighted. So I'm like, no, walk away from those situations. Know when you're being gaslighted because it's a thing in relationships. Like, just be honest. You know, what happened to being honest? <laughs> so has that impacted you dating after? Because it's horrible, right? Like in a real good relationship, you're, you're happy when your partner's successful. So for him to have used that against you, not okay. No, it's not okay. And it happens a lot, you know? So I just want everyone, girls and guys, to be aware when you're being gaslighted. Walk away. It is not worth your time, you know? Go. Bye. There are many fish in the sea. <laughs> <laughs> Especially with uh, these online apps these days. So okay. let's talk a little bit about finding your um, inner superhero, because that's also something you seem to talk about in your music. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what does that mean? Yeah, so basically, I believe in being your own hero. And I think just like in Torn and now and Who's Laughing Now, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. I think the more consistent and pers persistent you are in life and your goals and relationships, um, there is there is a hero at the end and you will have that cape and you will be happy. <laughs> you can do anything you want. So positive. Where does that come from? <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's true. It's so true. <laughs> but where do you think that comes from? Is that the way you were raised or is that something you had to work on for yourself? I've always had to work on it. You know, like I definitely haven't been mistreated by guys and um, it's exciting now. It's kind of like hashtag, yeah, who's laughing now, guys? Thank you very much. And wait a minute. Is that what that title's about? It's a lot of things, mainly, yeah, relationships. It's like people who try to stop my career, 
people who try to um, stop me from working as hard, uh, try to veer me in a different direction, try to tell me that I'm never going to make it. Um, this song is for you guys. So, yeah, who's laughing now? <laughs> I love that. It's like the ultimate revenge. You're like, it's not just that I'm going to do well and be happy and successful. I'm also going to release like amazing songs rooted in that. So thank you for that. Sir. Go ahead and you can watch my booty walk away afterwards too. <laughs> <laughs> That's absolutely how it's done. So before we let you go, I want to ask you also, what advice would you give to people trying to date right now? Because they're they're listening to you, your role modeling, your music. They want to be a superhero. They want authenticity. They don't want to be gaslit. So how do people find that kind of perfect person in 2020? You know, it's a good time to focus on yourself, right? Um, I hate to be the person who's like, oh, you don't need a date. Like if you feel like dating, date safely, six feet away. Hello, get Corona tests do all the shebang. But in general, I do believe this is a great time to focus on yourself. And uh, I've seen it with my girlfriends. They're just loving it, like just focusing on themselves and getting better at what they want to do. This is a great time to do, learn something. This is a great time to just, you know, let the universe give you what the universe wants to give you, what you're meant to have, you know? I love that. Using, using your album as the backdrop to all of it. <laughs> um, so I, I, do believe in, I do believe in positivity. I see that. I see that. I feel that. That's amazing, though. We need that. Look, there's so many things to feel bad about. And so it's really great when we can find someone that's just kind of embodying the positive angle. We can like riff off of that. So thank you for I that. I believe in manifestation, too. So. What's that? Let's say that again. I believe in manifestation, too. So like, for instance, like if you think it, believe it, see it visually in your head and work towards that goal, you will achieve it. Bam. Ava Max, the new album, Who's Laughing Now? We were rocking out to Kings and Queens all day today. So thank you for giving me the positive mood and thank you for everything you're doing. Thank you so much for having me. You're awesome. Hopefully I meet you soon. We'll be right back with Dirty Lola to talk more about dating etiquette in quarantine. All right, now we're going to go to our next guest, Dirty Lola, sex educator, and just all-around brilliant, awesome human being. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm glowing. I was so excited to see that you are going to be on the show tonight. I'm excited. This is great. <laughs> um, so I have a thousand things to ask you about, uh, but before we get specific about sex and dating and COVID, just an overall COVID question. What is going on? Because I'm looking at your social media. It's much like mine, where you're trying to give everyone, like, you know, you're lovingly trying to tell them to follow rules and stay in place. But, like, I'm watching photos from others, and it's as though there's no pandemic right now. I was talking to people this week about feeling, like, gaslit by yeah. the rest of the world because I'm in my house. I haven't left my house. What's happening? What are people doing? Yeah. Well, your your social media was one of the things I used for a little reality testing. I wanted to make sure I wasn't missing something in that, like something hadn't changed overnight that I wasn't brought into. So let's talk about that. How do you enter this conversation? If someone says to you, listen, I want to I want to get into sex or dating or romance. I know there's a pandemic. How do you start that conversation with them advice wise? Yeah, basically, I tell people to think about like who you already have in your life that you trust. And when it comes to trust, it's like, who do you trust to be honest with you about what they're doing, who they're seeing, where they're going, like how much they're going out and all of those things. And you also have to go into this knowing where are you on the spectrum? So for me, I need somebody to be mostly staying home, going out for essentials, maybe having a very small social pool of seeing people distance hanging because that's all I'm doing is distance hanging with people and not that many um, can you, do you have to be on the, you know, public transportation 
to get to me, to see me? Is that a thing you're cool with? Or is that a thing I'm cool with? Like, these are all questions you have to ask, but also be, you know, is this somebody who's going to tell you that this is like the truth about this stuff? Because we all know that, you know, people who, uh, can I curse? Do I get to curse? <laughs> You're, you're, hurt, the, you're hurting my soul, but you're right. Like trust is yeah. a huge thing right now in all of this. And it, it sounds is. like it sounds like what you're saying is we have to have adult conversations. <laughs> we do. Adult conversations and real conversations. And they're not going to be hot. Like it's not going to be hot to talk about how many who you've seen this week. If you're, you know, oh, I'm an essential worker or I'm not an essential worker. I'm working from home. Who, who I'm not seeing, or if I saw friends, like you really kind of have to run down that list of things. And then on top of that, it's seeing each other like, I don't live alone, I have a roommate. So I have to clear things with my roommate first. Are they cool if somebody comes over? What is our protocol around that? Um, what's gonna be our protocol after that? Because people don't think about that either. It's like, you're gonna have fun. What's your protocol post all of this? I guess what, what came up for me around that was it sounds like, you know, you have to learn with partners how to have difficult conversations. And if you can't have that conversation about COVID exposure, I'm worried you can't have other important sexual health conversations. Yes. Right. Exactly. Like people who were generally good about having these conversations before about sexual health, it'll be a little easier for them. But this is also a point where you're learning. If somebody's not going to tell you the truth about who they've seen this week and where they've been and what's going on in their job and their life, they're not going to be honest with you about SCs either. So this is a great litmus test for other parts of relationships. And so do you agree that now's a good time for people that are maybe looking to find some love to go online? Cause I'm, I, that's what I've been saying to people. Look, people are lonely. Not everyone's isolating with others. Go online, start to build a relationship. It's not going to be, you know, the way you're familiar with, but like that can be found right now. Yes, definitely. I started chatting with someone in April and oh, we wow. just, everything was online and we got to know each other. We finally got to see each other, but we waited for phase two. Like we were kind of like, okay, maybe phase two in New York will, <laughs> that will out, my legs will open up with phase two. That there was the go. joke. Yeah. yeah, because it was, but it, we, it gave us more time to get to know each other. And I kind of saw his life and he saw mine. And so we, we had all of that going before we connected. And now I have a COVID buddy to like be intimate with. Okay. So break that, break that down for me, because I, I think that's the interesting piece. I know we touched about, we touched on a little bit in the beginning. So if someone were to say, okay, that sounds good. I want that as well. What uh, is it just about asking the right questions? Or are there other things you want to consider in finding that buddy? Cause trust you brought up before. And I think that is profound. Yeah. It's, it's how often you're going to want to see them. How often can you see each other? Um, the distance for me, I've been, I'm, we're in completely different parts of town, but I've been house sitting for folks near where he lives. So it's worked out. It's just been kismet that I've been there and that's when we've been seeing each other. And so those were things we had to think about because neither one of us are willing right now to travel that far just to hang out for an hour. Cause you know, it's a lot happening in the world and cabs are expensive. So those are things you have to really think of, keep it local, make that that distance smaller, you can change it on OkCupid okay, and other apps. You can make your distance that you're looking smaller. Um, all of those things come into play because it's, it's for me, it's not as easy to go, oh yeah, sure, I'll grab my stuff and I'll like head out and go over there and see you. And then I can go gallivant and do something else with my day. It's like, when I leave the house, it's an event. And it means I'm doing more than <laughs> one thing. Because 
we don't do it often these days. We sure don't. I mean, I'm like you. I'm following the rules to a T. I want my risk negative, not even a zero. I want it negative amounts of risk. So what do you say to people that are getting shamed by others? Because that's coming into my life as well. People are saying, look, I met someone online. I'm not feeling comfortable ready yet to meet them or I'm not comfortable uh, with something more physical happening and they're getting shamed by the other. Oh, I just, I stand firm in your boundaries. If you are not ready to meet up, if you're not ready to see someone yet, if you're like still feeling things out or you just feel really unsafe with everything that's going on in the world, stand firm in those boundaries. If you're somebody who's ready and everyone around you is shaming you for going out and seeing people, I think there's, there is a spectrum to safety. And I think you can take steps to be safe, um, to see someone and then still keep people around you safe. I, I think that's way different than going outside without a mask to a, a rave under a bridge. <laughs> They're two different things. Yeah. You're like, I'm not referencing anything specifically. <laughs> that right. was real specific. Um, <laughs> And then let's also touch upon this. So for someone who's saying, okay, listen, I'm not meeting anyone real time. I'm not necessarily wanting to go on the apps, but I want to have sexuality. And, and I'm, you know, I, I, I've never really explored sex with myself. Let's go old school, full on sex educator. What would you recommend to someone who wants to do some self-exploration? Nudes, the nude. <laughs> nudes have come back. I've literally bought this ring light to take better nudes. I mean, it's great for stuff like this, but I... <laughs> It's so I have better lighting when I take nudes, like sexting, phone sex, nudes, going into chat rooms. Like, let's get real old school. There are apps that are like the AOL chat rooms now. So you can go in and just talk to people about life and sex and, and things like that. I mean, we also have the technology now where there are sex toys that other people can control um, from afar and there are certain toys that strangers can control from afar where they have chat rooms where you can literally send your code to a stranger so a stranger can operate the sex toy so there are ways to stay home and and still be slutty and about all the sexy things without going and meeting people out in public. As always, a fun time hanging out with you. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. Thank you. You can catch more of Ava Max and Dirty Lola on I'm Listening, our mental health show that airs every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific time on radio.com. All right, we're back. Now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding into the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex world. We want you to explore with confidence. All right, this one says, Dear Dr. Chris, I'm anonymously sliding into the DMs. Don't worry, y'all. We respect where you're at, who you are, what's going on. We're not going to out anybody. Uh, your question, though, is you said, I'm a gay cis male spending over a year dating a 25 years older man. And then you said, I'm not a, not a sugar daddy. Breaks my heart that you have to say that. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> he really has loved me from the start, but won't budge on me sleeping with other men. I enjoy the thrill. <laughs> also, I don't know if I love him or just got used to him. There's no butterflies. Also, I'm having a hard time with confidence because he has more experience, sex drive, affection, and ambition than I have. So I don't know if I'm on board because I'm in his orbit or because I want to be. Is this a case of not knowing what I got till it's gone or am I risking everything by wanting some rando now and again? 
<laughs> I love it. I like the way you tie that all together. So a few things. I It hurts my heart that you even have to defend that it's not a sugar daddy, that when someone sees that there's that much of an age gap, they assume it's rooted in money and power. For some people, it is, and that's okay. For some people, they're like, listen, someone's with me for my money, but that doesn't mean they don't care about me. That doesn't mean I'm not getting the companionship I want. They might not, this person might not feel like they have access to different, they might not meet these, the problematic criteria for desirability that we have in our culture. So sometimes it's okay that there's a relationship or a sexuality or romanticism rooted in financial gain. Some people are okay with that. Again, that doesn't mean they're not cared for. Um, but we have to stop assuming that that's the only thing that can bring two people together with an age disparity. They might just find that person attractive. I work with a lot of individuals who are into much older, much younger individuals, and it's not rude in anything problematic or pathological. It's just that's how they're wired. Just like some people like certain body shapes and sizes. They're more aroused by that. It's it's an internalization of a lot of different things. There's so much in there, but let's not inherently problematize it or make it bad. Um, so. The fact that this person's wanting monogamy with you and you're wanting to sleep with others might mean a sexual incompatibility. Where compatibility is about the kind of sex we want to have, who we have it, the kind of structures and confines around it. So you might not be sexually compatible. That doesn't mean sex can't still exist or you can't still be in a relationship, but maybe it does. And so you have to decide how important is it you have sex with other people because monogamy is not for everyone. Some people, it's too much of a struggle. So you have to really sit with that. Um, both of you get to be, have your own position and you know, how you guys manage conflict will definitely be shown in how you manage that. But I don't know, you got to figure that out. Then when you sit, go to the part about, there's so much in here. Wow. Uh, yes. Also getting used to someone will reduce the excitement of sex for many. And so we can't always decide on whether or not we stay with someone or if we have love for them or commitment just based on sex drive and sexual interest, because that can be distinct from those other pieces. Then you also talk about the confidence. I really feel like this is like a two, two segment or so, you know, you're going to have to figure that part out. Then you bring in that you feel insecure because this partner is more confidence, more experience, more sex drive. Again, I'm curious as to why that's confidence enhancing. Is it just that you don't feel like you have the skills and they do, and so that you struggle with that? I mean, wow, there's so much in here. Um, so let me go with this. It's a, there, This is pretty complex. There's a lot of complexity centered around whether or not you're with the right person, right? Um, you think that they're further advanced than you are and you lack confidence around that. Um, the butterflies aren't there anymore, as you say, and you guys don't sound sexually compatible. So my question would be, what does maybe want make you want to stay? What, what would you be looking at or leaning on to stick around? Like what, what level of chemistry and compatibility? Because sexually it's not necessarily there or there at all. There's no butterflies and you both want different things in terms of monogamy. And then on the emotional psychological, you feel kind of disempowered around him. Not that there's not work for you to do in that. But when I put all this together, my question is maybe it's time to move on. <laughs> maybe you've landed in a very different place. Whatever brought you in or kept you in the beginning isn't there anymore, you know? So I think it's time to move on. And again, I always say we can circle back to relationships just because you lovingly leave and say, listen, this is not where my heart's at. doesn't mean you can't down the road say, listen, I realize I miss you and I want to be with you. I want to try it again. That, that, there is space for that. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, Slide in the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex world. We want you to explore with confidence. Question of the night. It's up on our Loveline IG page. So uh, weigh in on that. Listen to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, we're back and uh, we're going to do a little couples therapy. It's interesting moving through the world and watching people's relationships, watching my own and even the people I work with in my office, you see the same consistent stumbling blocks. And, 
you know, a lot of it I do blame on our socialization and media because where else do people learn about relationships? Think about it. Other skill sets and relational functioning is a true skill set. We pick it up either via school because it's something that school focuses on, which, you know, early, early years, not so much. It's very fact-based and driven. I remember grade school, all it was was memorizing things that now we can basically Google and, um, really don't need to have readily available, but things like math skills that we will use for the rest of our lives and vocabulary. We are, we are trained and taught to memorize, to learn, to understand, and then eventually just to internalize. And then it goes into what we call our implicit memory system, which means it's easily retrievable and it's not something we have to think about. You don't think about retrieving the letters or what they mean. It's just something that becomes procedural, right? So we just kind of go through the steps. Okay. So then there's other skills that are taught to us via experience where we'll be, I don't know, let's say with your father and he's working on cooking something, right? So you start to build a relationship with him and you're listening and you're watching and he's basically teaching you how to use different pots and pans and utensils and spices. Maybe you're outdoors and your mom's fixing a car or playing basketball and so you start playing with her or watching her and so she's showing you this this part of this car goes here and here's what this tool does. So there's different ways that we can learn skills. Also television and our friends. And that's where the relational psychological stuff comes in because I don't know of any school thus far that has classes, true classes in relational skills, relational health, or emotional intelligence. And our parents don't usually know that either themselves and don't model it well. And then we watch television where I see some really heinous examples of this being kind of played out, right? So all this to say that we're left on our own. And that's where the role of therapy can come in, right? And also self-help books, if you read the right ones, most of them are horrible, and I hate having to say that, but I'm concerned with some of the books that I hear friends or clients are reading uh, for multitude of reasons, because it's either written by someone who's regurgitating the same problematic mess that we're already doing, or written by someone who isn't an actual expert. They haven't done you know, the clinical research, the clinical experience, the supervision, or the education from any place. And there's a lot of different ways that you can get all those skills. So all that, again, comes together to create a, a large culture that doesn't really know how to pull off a healthy relationship. And we see some of the same things over and over. And what I love about true relational health is that it's very applicable and transferable, universalizable. And that means that whatever work is done in one kind of relationship, it can apply to the others. So whatever you're doing, if you're single right now in terms of romance or sexuality, you're still in relationship, a lot of them, with friends, coworkers, colleagues, family members, and the work you do with them is practicing the same, the same skill set. So it's kind of like if you're, let's say, playing tennis with different friends. Yeah, you are literally learning how to play with that one person because you're practicing with them, but you are learning, in general, the skill of tennis, and you will be able to take the same things that you learned with that partner and use them to play with other partners. And you can learn about your weak spots or your strengths and capitalize on the strengths while playing tennis with this one partner and learn about your weaknesses. And again, that will be taken into other tennis games that you play. And that's how relational health works. But we have to be willing to do that work. And very few of us do. And we talked on an earlier segment about the two phases of life, the first phase and the second phase and what the goals of each of those were and how in the first phase it was really being focused on things that are ego-centered and materialism and objects. And it was about your car, your job, your, you know, your, your identity, um, all these different physical pieces. But then the second phase, that's the adult phase that we hopefully all get to and we don't all get there and it's not bound by age. It's usually an event in your life 
We didn't talk about this in that segment, but there's usually an event in your life that occurs that some will call maybe like a midlife crisis or if it's earlier in your life, there'll be another name. But um, this usually it's an event that pulls us into this level of maturity where we start to say, you know, the larger meaning stuff. Who am I? What am I doing on this planet? What is my worth? What's my value? Am I happy? Am I content? Have I built the life I want? What do I want the rest of my life to be about? And it's these higher level issues. And so, you know, we have, and so I'm always, I'm, I'm always trying to remind people of the possibility of getting there sooner. I'm always trying to remind people that all the things we focus on in our culture do take time to work on the mental, right? So I'm, I'm getting to my point, but we, we don't even often know how to get there, what that looks like. So people come into my practice or people that listen to my work and for FYI, those of you that listen to my show, read my books, follow my social media and the other media platforms that I'm on and work that I do, I'm, I'm essentially trying to usher you and hold your hand and bring you into the second phase of life stuff and really bring you into the more meaningful pieces, right? But people that come into my practice, that's literally what they're doing. They're saying, listen, I, I, I wanna go on this journey, whether they recognize it as such or not, and what happens is we start looking at their role in every relationship they're in. And I always know that someone's at a higher level of health and functioning when they're only examining themselves, where they come into my office, even if it's in marital couples therapy, and they're saying, Dr. Chris, I want to talk about how I was this week. I want to look at where I'm proud of what I did. I also want to call out the things I kind of where I disappointed or let myself down. And they're so self-focused and it's not selfishness. They're very much aware of their partner and it's because they're so aware of their partner and how they impact their partner and how they're responsible for their partner's mental health as well that they're so focused on themselves. So in our next segment, we're gonna come back and talk about what some of that, look, that work looks like. Um, question of the night, as always, up on our Loveline IG page. So weigh in on that bad boy. We'll be breaking that down and then uh, some DMs. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, we're back and uh, we're talking about relational health. And I spent last segment just kind of framing the work, reminding us that at any point we can choose to hear the call to be a healthier, more mature adult psychologically and emotionally, right? And that at any point, we don't have to wait till a really large crisis in our life that wakes us up. And it can be the death of a loved one, an injury, our own near death, aging, loss of employment, marital issues. We don't have to wait till these bigger moments for us to say, oh no, I want to really look at who I've been and I want to be different. But again, some people it takes much later in their life, 40s, 50s, 60s, some people never for them to say, I want to create a life that I want. And I had this happen to me far earlier where I said to myself, you know, I'm not here just to work. My job on this planet isn't just to work. Um, what what is what is the value of my time other than that? And then I had to look at the fact that if my weekends were spent still working because my work week was so busy on the weekends I had to do chores, then I still wasn't living a balanced life. If I wasn't carving out multiple days where I can be focusing on pleasure, leisure, hobbies, things that really bring me happiness, then my work-life balance was off. And that's what a lot of people don't have. And that's part of this, right? Uh, not everyone has a job that brings value meaning to them. Mine does. And so that's that's something that definitely aids me and, and those that does it for them as well, where you know your work life does provide some of that meaning and that value. Um, not everyone has that. So this is a call to just really examine that sooner than later. But all of this was really just to push us forward into this concept that at any point we can choose to say, I want to do relational work and I wanna work on myself. And that basically, again, means looking at who you are in all the different relationships you're in because we have all these problematic norms that people dig their heels into. And the number one thing I see all the time is people trying to change who their partner is. And this is a very nuanced, complex topic. So I wanna like really be thoughtful about how we go through this. So here's the overarching question 
okay? And we're gonna talk about the macro and the microwaves that this shows up. But the question is, or the issue is framed as, do I have to give up who I am in order to be with you? Or do I have to give up on being with you in order to really be myself? Because I do agree that we don't, we shouldn't have to change who we are. Now there's, there's a nuance to that and I'll get there, okay? Because I do believe that we can change and we always are changing. I do believe that we can ask our partners to grow and be better. So we'll come back to that. But start with the point of we don't, we can't ask our partners to change. So I wrote a powerful article on compatibility and chemistry, and you can find that on my Medium page. Uh, Medium is a hosting platform for writers. Also, it's on my social media somewhere. It might even be on my website. If you can't find it, reach out. I'll tell you where it is. But basically, it was looking at how we don't understand the difference between chemistry and compatibility, and we don't even really understand what compatibility is. Because com compatibility in its truest form is you meet someone, and you explore whether or not what the two of you create when you come together, if it feels good and works for both of you, and if it does, you're compatible and you move forward in your lives. Some conflicts and issues come up, but you manage them well. No one's needing to change or asking anyone to change because guess what? You're compatible. But the reason why we don't often get there is because of our dating style. Most people don't date their relationship. Dating is a form of relationship, but dating is about finding out if that person is someone you're compatible with to form and be in a true, deeper relationship with. And so dating should be casual and you should be dating multiple people at one time. But I'm always hearing people saying, well, I met this person, I really like them, so I'm gonna get off the apps. Or I'm like, no, stay on the apps. You've dated them for two weeks, great. Keep dating other people. You still don't know if you truly are compatible. Give it time. But what happens is we don't give it time. We get overexcited. We jump in. We stop seeing others. We expect monogamy right away or commitment right away. And we move right in because there's chemistry there, but we haven't been able to assess full compatibility yet or there's a little bit of compatibility. And then we're wanting and expecting each other to change. And then I'm looking at my client saying, you guys aren't compatible. Can we improve some of this? Sure, but we're still trying to improve a relationship that's not compatible. But if we were out there longer, saw more people at the same time, we could find better compatibility. Now, as I said earlier, that doesn't mean we can't say to our, our, our partner, hey, you know, it would be great if I could hear from you more often, right? Because that's not asking someone to be different. That's still asking someone to maybe grow or change within the context of who they are. And we know that we're appropriately asking for some growth, not change who they are, but growth, growth within who they are, by the energy with which that issue, the energy that issue brings up, how we feel around it, and how they feel around it. There's a huge difference. If someone's like, I can't stand this, you always, and it's this big trigger point, then you are not compatible. This is an issue around which you're expecting the person to have to change in order to be with you, or needing to leave you in order to be themselves. That's different. Like, let me give you a personal example. Early on when I was dating the person that I'm in a relationship with right now, very calmly, I was like, wow, you know, we both have very busy schedules and we don't talk as often as I would like. I wasn't triggered. I wasn't dramatic. I could already tell I wasn't asking this person to, to change, but I was wondering if within the context of who they are and what felt good to them, could there be some growth or some shift? And I said, hey, I would love it if we could prioritize talking more often. And their answer was, oh my gosh, you're right. And I normally do. And I want to do that. And then we did. And we have. And it's a long time later. And so that was in the context of like, let's just grow a little bit. It wasn't a matter of like, I need you to do this in order to be with me. I need to, I'm trying to change you. That wasn't someone being asked to change. And we can feel the energy in our body when we're being asked to change versus grow within the context of who we already are. One feels like a lot of work and a push. And not that there isn't a place for that sometimes within the context, but in general, the work is about letting your partner just be who they are. And if they're not 
uh, calling enough, you sitting with yourself and saying, why is that something I need? And is it fair to even ask that? And can I actually meet them instead maybe where they're at? Can I use this as a point for me to grow? And that's where I went back to what I said in the last segment, where healthy people are looking at who they are and they're saying, I don't wanna keep asking this person to change, so let me back off of that because that need isn't a real need, it's just something I want from my anxiety to make me comfortable and it's not their job to provide that to me, it's not their job to make me feel comfortable at all times. It's okay if I feel uncomfortable, that shows me where my growth is. Hear me say that again. When we're triggered, when we're uncomfortable, when we're anxious, that shows us where our growth is. That's our weakness in that moment. Our partner has helped create a situation where we got to learn more about ourselves. So don't put that work on them because then they're constantly being responsible for keeping us not having to work on ourselves, keeping us always comfortable. And so again, stop asking people to change because again, the question we don't want it to end up with is, do, do I have to give up on who I am to be with this person? Or do I have to give up on them to be myself? We don't want them to have to ask that. We'll be talking more about this. It's complex stuff, but it's it's a centralized point I see over and over and over, even within friends and family members. Uh, we don't just let people be who they are and work on ourselves around that. All right, coming up next, question of the night, listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, y'all, now it's time for question of the night. Tonight's question of the night was about zodiac signs. Ah, what is your sign and... Uh, the breakup advice you need to hear based on your zodiac sign. I love this. You know, zodiac signs are something that a lot of people here in California are a big fan of. Actually, you know, across the world, but having moved here from the East Coast, it was not something that I was that familiar with. On the East Coast in Philly, I'm a Philly boy. We didn't talk much about astrological signs, but uh, California sure uh, woke me up to it. So I'm I'm learning. I'm learning. You know, it's interesting in that what I've read's been meaningful and interesting. I don't make any personal decisions directly based upon it. I've got a lot more to learn, but. I do think it's interesting. It can be a starting point. It can be very archetypal. It can give us an idea as to some things we might want to think about or address. Um, never a dull moment, you know? I, look, there's some signs that I've definitely learned I necessarily need to stay away from. I'm sure you all have similar experiences. So the question of the night was, what's your zodiac sign? Now, I, we got a lot of Scorpios. I'm a Scorpio. And I don't know if, I, you know, Loveline is a lot of different things, a lot of mental health, but there's also a lot of sex and relationships. And Scorpios, you know, we tend to be one of the quote unquote most romance and sexual based of the star signs. So maybe it's that. But uh, the bulk of people were Scorpios, also a lot of Geminis and a lot of Tauruses. Those are the top three. Geminis, look, love y'all but I'm not going down that road again. If we had to really speak astrologically, Geminis are just not a good match with me. Geminis and Scorpios do not tend to blend well together. It's a little too intense. Y'all have too many different sides, um, so bless it. But uh, Virgos, Libras, Capricorns, and Aquarius, not as many. Again, the big three were Gemini, Taurus, and Scorpios. I'll date, I like Scorpio and Scorpio. I'm here for that one. So question of the night was about your star sign. Also, uh, the breakup advice that you need to hear based on your zodiac sign. So according to Elite Daily, here's the advice you need to hear as you're going through a breakup according to your zodiac sign. Let's start with Taurus. Taurus, um, breakup advice is you need to change your routine. I like that for everyone. You know, sometimes we need some distractions, some newness, some novelty. You know, breakup's hard and getting ourselves out there and trying new things, meeting new people, having new experiences might be what you need to pull you out of the rut. A lot of people are going through that right now. It's something I'm telling everyone to do just throughout COVID. For Virgos, allow yourself to feel all emotions. 
Again, great advice for all of us. Also, it's part of our mental health. That's why we're asking people, how is your mental health? That's how we get that conversation started, normalizing it in us, normalizing it in them. So yes, if you are someone uh, who doesn't let themselves feel their emotions because they immediately try to get rid of them by drinking, drugs, food, whatever it is, maybe practice sitting and feeling. Also talking to people and saying, let me let you know my thoughts and feelings around what just happened because there's a lot of people that'll be willing to sit with you in it. Libras, you gotta find your balance. <laughs> I'm not sure what that means. Maybe it just means don't overly focus on the breakup or overly focus on work or whatever it is. Try to kind of put a little more time, attention, energy, and motivation into some things that you've been letting maybe drift off, which is also what can happen in a relationship. Some of our you know, standards and our priorities kind of drift off, which is part of being in a relationship. You know, we get a little quote unquote disrupted. We have to reorganize our our priorities and our, our, our structures a little bit. If you're a Scorpio, oh, here's me, focus on taking care of you, not getting back at your ex. <laughs> Again, that's good advice for all of us. Go into more self-care, you know, trying to disconnect from what is my ex doing? Um, you know, how can I still stay connected via my anger or my rage? And that's part of it. We go through the physical breakup, going through the psychological part, which is necessary. We have to kind of take a break from them and their social media. So yeah, maybe that's part of it. Someone said for a Capricorn, your breakup advice based on your zodiac sign is remember, you're not in this alone. So for you Capricorns, Elite Daily is saying, stay connected to the people you care about, you know? We're letting yourself be reminded that when you go through something, all your friends and family members that love you and feel close to you, they kind of go through it with you. And it's okay to share that, to lean on them, to let them help you through it, which is also a way you just kind of build up and make that relationship you have to these friends and family members deeper. Uh, question tonight was, what is your zodiac sign? And now we're talking about the breakup advice you need to hear based on your zodiac sign. For the Aquariuses, don't detach from your emotions. Bam, I want everyone to feel their feels. You know, and breakups have a lot of them. It's an identity change. We're now a single person in the world. We have to constantly go through the breakup because people are going to want to hear about it, ask about it. We have to talk about it. Our scheduling changes, right? We have now possibly more downtime and that can be a gift. All these things can be a gift. Uh, what else happens? We also feel like we have less maybe support in our lives. And that's why I feel the feels, change the routine, connect to people. I mean, I love this advice for everyone. Also based on your zodiac sign, breakup advice you need to hear for Gemini's. Channel your energy into positive things in your life. See, I love that because that's also important for us as well, right? When we're feeling down, we're feeling bad, it's really easy to not take care of ourselves. Our self-esteem can drop. But the work is in realizing I still need to go through a self-care routine. I still need to get up and shower and get dressed and take care of myself. Because when a breakup happens, we can personalize it and make it about us and then think we're not worth taking care of or we're not special and we're not then always kind to ourselves. So yeah, during these difficult times, whether it's unemployment or sickness or a breakup or some other form of, you know, what we perceive as a rejection or a message about us negatively. It's when we really need to lead most from our self-esteem and do things that reflect back that we have worth and value. And that can sometimes be the small things, just taking care of ourselves. You know, it's good stuff. That's question night. All right, coming up next, we're going to be sliding into those DMs, listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. Now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sexy world. We want you to explore it with confidence. Questions come from our Loveline IG page. Slide on into those DMs. Uh, so before I read the DM, I wanted to just answer one that has come in 
pretty frequently these days. And so I wanted to just answer it. And basically it's people asking me my journey to become a certified sex therapist. And um, unfortunately I'm not able to walk everyone through the process or respond to everyone. That question comes up pretty frequently. I'm glad you feel interested and drawn to the work. We definitely need, gosh, everyone working in public health to be more sex positive, more body positive, more uh, you know, psych- differently psychologically minded, not shaming diversity. Um, but yeah, if you wanna enter the field, whew, it's a journey. First, step one is you have to become a licensed therapist. So that's the first step. Everyone immediately thinks master's in psychology and then I'll get licensed, but uh, you can also get a master's in clinical mental health, social work, and then you get to do the activism, the social work, and the clinical. That's what I did. I wanted my activism brought in there where psychology is gonna be more diagnostic and pathology-based. I want the social work model because it's more uh, strengths-based, holistic in its application. It looks at larger macro systems and their impact. I love that. So it had like a sociological part, uh, hyperclinical though at the same time, and some activism. So anyway, and that allows you to also get licensed as a therapist in your state. So again, either get your master's in social work or in psych, uh, but you have to get master's, get licensed, and then once licensed, you can begin the process of a certification process to become a certified sex therapist because that's something you will not learn at all about in your master's program. So if you wanna do couples and sex therapy, you gotta get extra training. And you can do that through the organization that I'm the clinical director of education for, and that is called the Sexual Health Alliance. S-H-A is its an, uh, acronym. And uh, then you get certified. Bam, you're done. And uh, the work is always there. You always keep learning. You gotta always keep educating yourself. Um, luckily, that's part of maintaining that certification. But um, yeah, you know, make sure it's the CST, Certified Sex Therapist, at the end. But yeah, you can do it through my program. Welcome to the field. I hope you do it. Let's do the DM. This one says, "Hey, Doctor Chris, my question has two parts. I'm looking for any advice you may have on feeling less dirty or shameful about an STI diagnosis." I'd also love to hear your perspective on when to have the disclosure conversation. I know that in order to be a good and ethical person, it needs to occur before any kind of sexual contact, but when specifically would you recommend? Thanks so much. Uh, first off, yes, we live in a culture where we are very much threatened by anything that's transmitted, especially sexually. So for instance, whereas people won't feel bad or shame you for getting the you know flu or cold from a sick baby, a coworker, a doorknob, and you might then be at home, you know, pooping your pants with snot coming out of your nose on the couch for four, three days, whatever it is. No shame in that. But if you get an STI or an STD, a bacteria or viral thing from sex, then there's shame. And that's ridiculous because for those STDs and STIs, you get a pill, a shot in the butt, and you're back to life. You know, none of that other mess. But we get these other flus and illnesses and, you know, people freak out because anything with sex attached becomes especially heinous. It's our sex phobic culture. So part of that work is we have to, on a macro level, dismantle and change that. We have to normalize that, yes, anyone who's sexually active, 80% of sexually active people have gotten an STD or STI, 80%. They just might not know it because some of them are asymptomatic or they're not tested for it um, or they've already been treated. So that's part of the world, but we have to normalize that. And we have to normalize that by talking about it. People have to say, yes, have you gotten tested? What safer sex practices do you use? Oh, bummer, I have an STD, I had an STI. Talk about it publicly, talk about it openly, normalize it. It's part of life, it happens. And normalizing it means people will then also go get tested. Some people don't because they're embarrassed, they don't want to have to disclose, they don't know how to talk about it, they think they're shaming that. All sexually active people should at least every six months. And if you're higher active, maybe even once a week, 
depending on how many sex partners you have. So we need to normalize it. We need to talk more about it. We need to understand it better. And then the second piece is you kind of nailed it on your own. Before you have any sexual contact, you need to disclose because part of consent is informed consent and that's sexual health. That's also just care and ethics is letting people know what they're about to encounter when they're having sex with us. And, um, and you want to inform them so then they can consent and they need to know what it is that they're encountering to be able to consent. So there it is, you know, good luck. Uh, and you, you know, again, if you're not with people that are healthy enough to have such a disclosure made, you're not having sex with sexually healthy people. Sexually healthy people say thank you when you make a disclosure about a CD or STI, they don't shame you, you know what I mean? And they're able to talk about it. So Slime the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex world and we want you to explore with confidence. That's our show. Hope you guys have an awesome weekend. Please, since your weekend in self-care, say to yourself, what are some things I can do this weekend that are rooted in self-care, things that leave me feeling better and nourished, and also how can I center my weekend in rest and pleasure, okay? We'll be checking in on that next week. So uh, check out the show, podcast, at wearechannelq.com or radio.com. Question night, as always, it's up on our IG page, so weigh in on that. And uh, as always, thanks for hanging out. Y'all have a good weekend. Have a beautiful night.